hey, hey, this is Emma. Welcome back to the Zillennial Big Sis podcast. It is great to have you here. If it is your first time, welcome. And if it's not, then hey, welcome back. So today's topic is something that really came to me after I read a quote. And I'm going to get to that quote a little later in the episode, but I'm going to start it off with a question. I know the title may be a little ambiguous and a little bit like, okay, what do you, what do you mean? But I'm going to start by asking you a few questions. Have you ever in your life been told, tone it down? I mean, you know, tone it down. Maybe you're really passionate about like conservation and you tell people, hey, don't use straws. You know, don't use plastic straws. And they go, no, 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 these tone it down. Like these aren't going to be, this isn't a big problem. Just tone it down. Or maybe you have a louder, funny laugh, and when someone tells a joke, you just let it fly. You are just laughing everywhere, and people are like, stop, be quiet, be quiet. Or maybe your feelings have been told to tone it down. I mean, let's be completely honest. I think all of us have been told by someone in our life, whether it's a significant other, a friend, a parent, a classmate, to say like, you're feeling too much, like you're too mad, you're too sad, you're too in love, you're too happy, like tone it down. If you've ever been told any of these things or ever been told that you're being too much, then this episode is for you. Because as women, I feel like it's very common. It's very common to be told you're being too much. So that's what we're going to be diving into today about being too much. And let's get real about what that really means and how we can actually embrace that as women and how we can kind of harness our being too much and put that towards really awesome goals and greater change in your life. One of the things that I've become really acquainted to in my life because of just different articles, different personal experiences, all that is, you know, ideas like mansplaining. Obviously, I think most of us know what that is. When a man tries to explain a topic that you probably already know about or tries to take credit for that, you know, there's also manspreading where in areas of life or public transportation, men, you know, sit down with their legs open. They sit down and they take up a ton of space while women are typically the ones that are crossing their legs or they're scrunching in to try to make themselves smaller. Something super similar to this was Refinery29 did an article in 2017. They did a small experiment within the people of the office because they noticed something. They noticed that when they walked down the street, you know, men never changed directions for women or rarely changed directions for women, but women were always like stepping to the side, moving their course. So this writer coined this term as man slamming. So man slamming is when a man does not change their trajectory at all for another person. So it was interesting. They had five participants of different jobs. So maybe some of them had like higher jobs, more executive jobs, and some of them had a little bit of lower jobs and also different heights and different weights. So they also had like smaller women and they had taller women complete this. So there was about five of them that did it and they recorded their daily walking habits. All of the women in this experiment were directed to not change their direction at all. If they saw another person coming, um, they just didn't change it. So what they did was every single time that they walked, 
They just walked straight ahead, forged a path very strong. They did not move for anyone else. And it was very interesting because they recorded how many people they ran into and who they were. After each participant just went on their walk, they or during their walk, they would record if they ran into anybody. And it wasn't anyone of like on accident, you kind of nudge them. It was like a direct kind of collision. Some of the people in the experiment, you know, wrote more details, but the lowest number I saw was zero. And I'll get to that number in just a second. But the highest number I saw was in two weeks, they experienced seven body slams. Like, you know, you know, when you walk into someone and it's just, you just walk right into them, seven of them. And each of these times, it was someone coming, you know, face to face. The other person was walking towards them. They were walking towards the other person seven times in two weeks because people expect women to move. It's just kind of this expectation that we have. And it may not be like scientifically proven or very hard scientifically, but it's super interesting. And the only woman to get zero slams during this whole experiment was a woman who was a bigger woman. She said, you know, I'm fat as a woman. And she recorded her experience and she said every time she got close to potentially hitting someone, she would turn her shoulder. She would turn her shoulder every single time because she was so scared of taking up space because she was so used to as a fat woman trying to be extra small and trying to fit into a smaller package always that it was so hard for her to get out of that conditioned habit. So that's actually why she didn't run into anyone. It's because every time she came close enough, she turned her shoulder. So it's a very interesting thought. Even though it's not necessarily like the hardest scientific evidence, it has been seen time and time again that women are, you know, we're told and we are expected to be smaller. The ideal woman in society for a long time was a dainty woman, a woman who didn't speak up much, a woman who wasn't seen much, a woman who was very like submissive. And it's interesting because as the world is changing and as our cultures and societies are changing, you know, we're seeing a little bit of a shift for more powerful women. That doesn't mean that everyone's on board by any means, but we're seeing a shift of women being able to be more dominant and women being able to take up space. So this is how it kind of ties into the being too much. So when you think about being too much, the whole concept is you are taking up too much space. Whether that is audibly, you are overpowering a situation. Physically, you are encroaching on another person's perceived area. Or socially, you are involved in too many things. That is all examples of just being too much and being told that you're doing too much and being, you know, just essentially just being told to be smaller. Whenever someone's saying, oh, you're doing too much or, oh, be quiet or, oh, they want you to be smaller. They want you to make less of an impact and less of a footprint on the scenario that you're in. They want you to be seen less, heard less, or felt less. And I think that's something super interesting. And it's something that we have to work hard as women to kind of fight against. 
I am a super outgoing person. I am pretty loud. I actually know I'm very loud. My voice carries a lot. And I always said it was because I was a singer. So I know how to properly breathe and like use my diaphragm. But really, I just think I have a loud voice. And I have a loud laugh. I always, you know, I try to do things and I do them big. So constantly in my life, I have been told, you know, Emma, be quiet. Emma, you're doing too much. Emma, you are just just needing to tone it down. I've been told that so many times in my life. And so many times in my life, I've taken that and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. I've been just told in a big group setting that my laugh is too ridiculous or that I'm being too loud or something like that. Like those things make me feel embarrassed and they make me feel uncomfortable. But it was super interesting because as I reflect on my life, you know, the things that I've done, the activities I participated in, the places that I have, you know, succeeded the most, it's when I was giving my most. It was when I was being fully present. I mean, I've talked about it a few times on the podcast before. I was a camp counselor for three summers. So obviously you can see how that loud, big personality of like taking up as much space as possible, like just sitting there living, being myself, that helped. It made me connect with campers. It made them feel excited and it brought energy. When I was in my sorority, I just brought who I was. I said, here I am, take it or leave it. Literally when I went through recruitment as a freshman, I came in the doors while they were chanting and I was dancing and I was having a good time. Everyone else scared shitless, but I was just being me. And I've had that take it or leave it attitude. And it's crazy because whenever someone like tries to counter that, I'm like, oh wait, I feel kind of bad. Well, why do you feel kind of bad, Emma? Like, why do you feel that way? And it's because I have this confidence until someone pushes back on it. And I think it's really important and really interesting to think about how we frame our minds and how we frame our vision of ourselves. If we see ourselves as too much, then we're going to essentially just dilute our own personalities. Every time you say, oh, you're too much, you're going to dilute yourself until you have nothing of your own self left. You're just going to essentially be a watered down version of yourself. So you won't be able to bring yourself to those scenarios. Obviously everyone has certain areas where their personality, where their talents, where they're being too much shines. And mine is in a social situation. Mine is in a selling situation. Mine is not in a mathematical situation or a scientific situation. My being too much there is like, not helpful. But when we bring ourselves fully to our friendships, our workplace, our relationships, what we're doing is we are allowing ourselves to do the best that we can in that situation. So to get to that quote that I was talking about in the beginning of the episode, it's a little bit of a pivot, but I promise it'll actually tie in. I'm going to read the quote first, and you'll probably be surprised about who said it. It says... I love to see young girls go out and grab the world by the lapels. Life's a bitch. You got to go out and kick ass. So I saw this quote and I was like, yeah, this is so cool. Like, hell yeah. I, I love the imagery of young girls grabbing the world by the lapels. Because if you don't know what a lapel is, 
a lapel is that part of a man's jacket that kind of folds over. And imagine like a young girl going up to a man wearing a suit, like a suit coat and just grabbing him by the lapels and just like taking control. I think it's super interesting when you think like life's a bitch. Yeah, life is a bitch because it's wild. It's unpredictable. It's crude sometimes, but it's that bitch. And it says, you got to go out and kick ass. I think that this quote is so fun and it's so interesting. What makes it so much more interesting to me is that the person who said it was Maya Angelou. And you may be thinking, Emma, why is this surprising to you? Maya Angelou was a civil rights activist. She was a poet. She was speaking up in times where women and especially minority women were not supposed to be speaking. And, you know, she was a writer. She just, she really broke a lot of barriers. But it's interesting because when I was told and told stories about Maya Angelou, it was told to me that Maya Angelou was a quiet woman, that she moved quietly in the world and things like that. And, you know, she did not make much noise besides her writing. But when I think back on it now as an adult, I'm like, wait a minute, that's just absolutely opposite because a woman of that time is breaking barriers. She's writing about activism and she's doing poetry. She worked these different jobs for a woman. She was being the opposite of quiet. 100% in her time, people were probably thinking that Maya Angelou was actually being too much, that she was being too bold and being too brazen and that her works should not be published and that she should not be having that platform for her work. And it's super interesting because she was writing about identity and race And she was writing about family and travel and all of these different things and these different themes in their, these are books and works of literary, you know, success that people had actually tried to, you know, burn and ban from libraries and public schools. You know, people really, really worked against her and, you know, she had awesome supporters She's a beloved woman in our society now, but at the time she was fighting against a lot of people that were telling her she was doing too much. She was saying too much. She was writing too much. What she was writing was too provocative, but now her works are read in universities and high schools and people look at her as an inspiration. And that just proves that as a woman and as just a person in general, Being too much is sometimes exactly what you need to be. If Maya Angelou sat there and said, I'm not, I'm not going to write anymore because people are telling me I shouldn't do it because my writing is too provocative. My writing is too truthful. We wouldn't be talking about her today. We would be missing, missing a big part of history and a big part of culture that, you know, is part of shaping us. And all because she sat there and said, No, I'm going to push back on that. I'm going to write what I want. I'm going to say what I feel like needs to be said. And I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be too much. We are able to see her now and adore her now. That same principle goes for you. That same principle goes for me. If we are constantly diluting ourselves, like I talked about earlier, trying to fit into a smaller package, a more palatable package, a more 
easily digested package of a person, what we're going to end up doing is we're going to ruin our chances. We're going to break our chances of getting to that big part of success of life, whether that's self-fulfillment or realization or it's career success or familial success or relationship success for you. You're going to miss out on that big part of life because you're not going to be fully there. You're not going to be fully present. Now I'm going to give you three tips for being too much and being your full self, just bringing yourself out there. And tip number one is to not apologize for being yourself. For example, if you have a loud and bold laugh and you hear something funny and you let that rip and someone says to you, hey, you're laughing way too loud, you know what you say back? Instead of the typical, oh, I'm sorry, don't say anything. Just give them a nod, give them a smile, and turn back to what you're doing. Don't acknowledge that comment. Don't acknowledge it. Don't apologize for it. Don't apologize because you have a bold and a fun laugh, because you're taking up a little bit of audible space for something that you think is funny. When you apologize for something that you truly don't need to, then what you're doing is you're slowly but surely chipping away, chipping away and diluting yourself every time you apologize for being yourself. And tip number two kind of dives in to the boundaries of that because let's be honest, there still has to be a little bit of balance in the world. Tip number two is know your zones. Knowing your zones is all about awareness. And once you have this awareness... And once you stop apologizing so much, things are just going to come a little bit easier. But knowing your awareness is knowing where things should kind of like have a little bit of a balance. For example, I have a big bold laugh. One place that I shouldn't be just letting it fly every second is a library or during a church service. The reason why these places are times that, yes, you should tone it down a little bit, you should hold things back, is because it's respecting other people's experiences. People come to the library to study, and people go to a church to worship. So if we're in the middle of a prayer at church, I probably shouldn't be cracking up and letting a big old laugh go. Unless, of course, it's appropriate, then let it fly. But it's just something about knowing that zone. So that's something that can be easy and you can kind of evaluate that in your life. So that zone is more about location. And this next zone is about people. It's about people interactions. People interactions? Person inter- interpersonal interactions. Sure, we'll go with it. But this is about the interactions that you have with other people because that is a zone as well. The way you interact with people in your professional life and in your personal life will be different. And in your personal life, those people will be different as well. So one of the zones, for example, and a way that, you know, bringing too much is not good. One of my mentors told me a story of how at work she was getting assigned task after task, just like kind of a compiling list and was expected to complete these tasks, but in a unspecified order. So instead of her going up to the manager and saying, hey, like, 
what the heck? You're giving me all these tasks. You haven't even given me time to finish the last ones. Like, what the hell are you doing here? Instead of her doing that, she said, you know, just put it back on them. So she asked her manager every time, what tasks should I prioritize first? And they would go down the list of the tasks and get a priority order. That way she was communicating, you know, being a little overwhelmed without saying, hey, I'm overwhelmed. What the hell are you doing? And it gave her an order. So if something at the bottom of the list wasn't checked off, then, well, you told me to do these at the top of the list first. So it's something that was beneficial. So that's where having restraint and not being too much can really come in handy in a professional place. And in your personal life, a place where you should have a zone of restraint is with people that you are maybe just acquainted to. An example of this is I was involved in many student organizations through college and there was one scenario that really stuck out in my head of someone, yeah, they were being too much. A leader in one of the organizations that I was in was invited over to this, another woman in the organization's house and she was, you know, just saying, hey, come over and I'm going to do your makeup. And the other woman said, yeah, awesome. I would love for you to do that. I'll post it, you know, do all that cool bonding time. These two women aren't necessarily tight on a personal level. They don't talk very much in between. It wasn't like there was an ongoing personal conversation or an ongoing conversation at all. Well, the woman who invited the officer or the leader in the organization over ended up while she was doing her makeup, just slamming this officer, telling her, you know, you're not doing your job, right? I think that this is terrible. I think that what you're doing in your position is horrible. All these things, yada, yada, yada. So that's a situation where the woman who invited the officer over to her house was being too much. I know this woman personally, and I know that she prides herself on being a blunt and an honest person. But in this situation, it's her taking power. It's her putting this other woman into her home in a position where she is literally standing over her, doing her makeup, doing something that feels very personal, and having this very blunt and forceful conversation. That is something that is being too much and is something that you shouldn't do in your daily life. This whole scenario would be different though if they had been having an ongoing conversation, if they had been talking about these issues and concerns this other woman had about the organization and, you know, if they had had conversations prior or if they met up specifically to talk about those concerns, but it kind of felt like a trapping situation right there. So overall, to kind of tie up knowing your zones, it is to be expected that people are obviously going to, you know, kind of step outside of the zones and, you know, maybe do a little more and maybe just mess up or overstep a few times in your life. So that's a whole thing about just growing and learning. But every time you find a new boundary, create a new zone in your head, just kind of do that so you can know where to approach things and how to navigate different scenarios and in different situations. And the third and final tip that I have about owning yourself and not being afraid to be too much is find your people. Finding your people is something that you're going to constantly have to be working on throughout your life because throughout your life, you're going to be changing. And one of the things that I think about a lot 
is different tropes and different clicks and ideas of like different groups of people. So I was in show choir in high school, which was seen as like a big, you know, a flamboyant, boisterous kind of loud group of people. I was camp counselor. Again, it goes with the flamboyant, like loud, weird people. I was in a sorority, which again, kind of goes with that very like aggressive type of people. Like that's the idea. That's the trope and the perception of those people. But those are all the places where I felt like I could truly be myself. I could bring myself to the table and I'd be like, take it or leave it. And they would take it. And I think that that's what's so great is throughout my life, I've had these different places where I know that I can be myself. I know that I am not going to be constantly knocked down or shot down for laughing too loud or talking too loud or having big ideas or big passions. If you find yourself in a situation where you're constantly being told to do less or to be quiet or to be smaller or to, you know, care less, then you're probably not with your right group of people. And when you align yourself with people who are similar to you and have similar, you know, passions and similar things that they love to do and similar experiences in life, you're going to find yourself being more and more comfortable being yourself. And you're going to find that you're going to hear less and less that you're being too much. So just a quick recap, the three things that you can do to feel more confident and not be afraid of doing too much are number one, stop apologizing for being yourself. Number two, know your zones. And number three, find your people. I challenge you all to spend 2021 getting acquainted with yourself, feeling your full power and your full potential, because when you're you're not living in fear of being too much, then you are really going to just open up so many doors of awesome things that you can do. you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you guys are leaving with like a renewed sense or a renewed spirit of being like, yeah, fuck them all. If they try to tell me to stop laughing so hard or living my life the way that I want to do it. Because as Maya Angelou says, you know, life's a bitch and kick its ass. <laughs> Go out there and kick some ass. So that is the call to action I'm leaving you guys with this week as well. If you haven't already, make sure to follow the podcast and set up automatic downloads on Spotify. Give me a review on Apple Podcasts, hopefully a five-star one if you are enjoying it. And follow the Zillennial Big Sis Instagram if you haven't already. That is where I'm going to be posting more content. There will be polls so you can kind of influence what I'm going to be talking about in each episode and also just a fun way to get to know me and fellow ZBS fans and fellow ZBS gals. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Happy 2021. Thank God that is over. Have a great week.